Matthew Gutierrez, who covers Syracuse men's basketball, chats with Hoopsology about the Orange men's run to the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament. He provides some great insight as to how Syracuse turned their season around. Matthew also discusses what challenges Syracuse had to overcome during the most unusual season in the history of college basketball. Then we discuss Buddy Beheim's challenges that he had to face being the son of one of the most successful coaches in college hoops. And now, Matthew Gutierrez. Justin, thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on. Well, this is appropriate, and I've really been looking forward to this interview. It's funny because um, we kind of booked this like a couple, I think a couple of months ago, and who knew that Syracuse would go on the run that they've had, but now they're in the Sweet 16, um, first upsetting San Diego State, a team that um, I'm familiar with is because being a fan of the Mount West Conference, and then they go on to defeat West Virginia in the second round. Um, what do you make of this run so far? I mean, you cover this team, so is this kind of what you expected, or this is a complete shock to you? Yeah, it's a good, good question. <laughs> no, I did not expect this. I don't think many people did, including some people in the program and even close to the program. I mean, this is a team that, you know, three weeks ago, this team was not very good. Uh, they struggled defensively. They've always had a pretty good offense, but they, they really have struggled to get stops against good teams. They don't have a center, a true center. Uh, this season, a lot of younger guys who don't play a lot at that position They've had a, a, a stretch four, essentially, playing center the whole year. Their starting backcourt had COVID. Uh, they've dealt with, you know, an ACC schedule that that is is not going to be forgiving, really, at any point. It is a, it's a down year in the ACC for sure, but uh, you're still playing Georgia Tech, Florida State, Virginia, Virginia Tech, a lot of ranked teams, no easy games, especially on the road. So this team, look, they, they flipped the script. I mean, three weeks ago, they were struggling. And then they come, they win two games at home that they really needed. They get a win in the ACC tournament. They almost beat Virginia in the ACC tournament, lose on a buzzer beater. Uh, and then here they are now in March. The zone is doing what the zone does. You know, it's it's sort of a cliche, but hey, right now, I mean, teams are perplexed by that defense a lot of times, the way they play it with long, athletic guys at the top of the zone. And then, again, longer guys, athletes on the bottom of the zone, that traditional 2-3 that just baits people to just chuck up threes, Mm -hmm. and they end up falling into that trap. And they they miss a lot of threes. They get in their own head, and and it just sort of snowballs. Uh, So here they are in their sweet 16, third year or third time since 2016. So a pretty good run the last few years. Walk us through what this team has gone through this 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 season, I mean, this has to be the most unusual college basketball season ever. Um, you've just been covering this team. Just walk us through the challenges that this team had to go through, just dealing with the pandemic. And do you think this kind of made them closer as a unit? I know it's kind of corny and cliche, but I mean, this is kind of extenuating circumstances that normally, um, you know, college teams don't have to go through. So can you just walk us through like what it was like um, for this team just dealing with all these extra challenges besides just dealing with such a, you know, normally just a grueling just college basketball schedule yeah for sure i mean look as you touched on there a lot of teams have gone through uh quite a bit and facing the pandemic i mean starting with delayed summer workouts we can't forget i mean that affected syracuse it affected a lot of teams especially teams that are freshman heavy right the dukes the carolinas uh the kentuckys i mean teams that have talented freshmen coming in that could benefit from that extra time so it really starts almost a year ago back in that spring summertime when teams can 
usually start working out. So you had a delay there. You had limited summer workouts. Uh, and then in Syracuse's case, you had two major pauses. You had a pause right before the first game where it was basically two weeks uh, off. And then they had to play a game like a day after one day of practice only. Uh, so that was a challenge. They get into a little bit of a rhythm. It comes to the holidays. They play a team, you know, Buffalo, not far away. University of, of Buffalo and uh, just three hour drive. They almost lose that game, but Syracuse does win. But Buffalo had a, a player test positive or multiple players test positive after the game. So in contact tracing, Syracuse ends up with positive cases, uh, at least two could have been more. I think a few players on the team have tested positive at one point or another in this season, including the head coach, Jim Bayham. So uh, they had another pause around the holidays that set them back. I think it just throws off the rhythm for the shooters, mostly, uh, who need the volume, who need the reps. Uh, so Buddy Beheim, uh and Joseph Gerard, the starting guards, both had COVID, both had symptoms, wow. fatigue, loss of smell, loss of taste. Uh, they really emphasized the fatigue, like they were exhausted. I think Gerard joked he, uh, he was napping quite a bit uh, and he never naps, you know, just because of from, from dealing with COVID. So glad they're they're now healthy and, and doing well but uh that took it just takes a while for them to to rebound so yeah to your point uh not only was it basketball season you have to go through this year but uh COVID on top of it and it's you know it's a credit to not just Syracuse I mean a lot of programs have had their fair share of of COVID positives of postponements the day of games uh you know moving around the schedule so a lot of moving parts here and Thankfully, it's a bubble, you know, essentially in Indianapolis and things can can move forward. Um, were you nervous just in terms of, you know, every day I, I was watching just um, the the coverage on CBS and, and, you know, Ernie Johnson and Seth Davis, they're um, saying that a lot of the teams are worried every single morning that they don't know what the test results are going to be. It could be like the whole team could be wiped out. So as you covering Syracuse, are, are, do you have that kind of nervous feeling that, hey, like this could be the day where, you know, the whole team could, you know, get positive tests for, for COVID? Um, is this that kind of a worry in your mind or are you just kind of just covering the team day to day? No, that's the, certainly a worry. It's in the back of my mind. I think you know, it's the players and, and coaches will, will say they probably don't think about it much, but it's, you know, it's obviously on a lot of people's minds, right? I mean, the reality is one positive, one or two positives could really shake up a program. We've seen it happen throughout uh, some the country in, in a lot of different cases, including Virginia, which is just coming off a pause yeah. before their opening round game. That obviously really, you know, hurt them, I think, in that game. And countless other teams have dealt with it, Syracuse as well. So for sure, I mean, I'll put it this way. Earlier in the year, I, I kind of just had the mindset on game day, when the ball is tipped off, I will just be thankful that the ball is tipped off and we're playing basketball, you know? Like, mm -hmm. you know, the game will be the game but, uh, and there's going to be, you know, shots made, mistakes made. But if we can just get to tip off, that's a good thing because we might not even get there uh, this year based on, you know, forget like any other sort of, you know, bizarre situation that would postpone a game this year there is a genuine chance any game uh could be could be moved and and that's just something that uh you know is in the back of my mind for sure and just trying to you know keep it in perspective that hey at least we got big games in the first place so th this run for Syracuse as we, we talked about earlier is quite unexpected where do you see this team going from here so 
if they happen to have a more miraculous run and go deep into the tournament, or if they, unfortunately if they if they lose the, their next game, I, what can you take away from this season? There's a lot of unusual circumstances, like you said. I mean, the the expectations wasn't the Syracuse Orangemen being in the Sweet 16. I mean, what ultimately can they take from this season? Is it kind of like an outlier? I mean, it's just kind of hard to gauge due to all of the adversity and everything this team had to go through. I, I, I guess what I want to ask you is what are going to be the building blocks from this season that they can carry on for, for the future season so they can get off to maybe a better start and not have to be on pins and needles waiting to see if they actually got into the, to the tournament for years to come? Yeah, you're touching on a topic that, you know, has been talked about quite a bit in Syracuse over the last few years and again now the past couple of weeks, which is, you know, the team has has been about average in the ACC uh, record-wise the last, you know, almost decade now, seven years or so. Um, but the tournament success, you cannot argue with it. I mean, the team, for the most part, gets into the tournament. And then, you know, aside from two years ago, they lost in the first round, but for the most part, they make a, a good run, at least to the second weekend. Uh, they've done that now three sweet, three sweet 16s in five, in five years. Um, it's Jim Beheim's 20th sweet 16 in his 45 seasons, which wow. is almost almost 45% of his career. His team is in the sweet 16, which is, is kind of or, – or, or farther, obviously, Final Four National Championship. So it's, it's, it's hard to comprehend that. It can be um, – and so there's a lot of context in that discussion with, you know, is the program matching expectations, right? Some people will want the regular season record to be better, and you can understand that. But this is college basketball, and, and March is really the what matters, right? I mean, who who's in March? You know, who's in that final weekend? Who's in the Final Four? Who's in the Sweet 16? Uh, and that's what programs get remembered for in a lot of ways. So, And in Syracuse's case, they've been averaging the ACC. And above average, they've been essentially a top 10 program uh, in the NCAA tournament for a long time as far as success in that in that tournament. So uh, that's the one issue and, and, you know, one talking point. And then to your point, I mean, uh, Q's, you know, to get off to a better start, they have a five-star recruit coming in this year, best recruit in almost seven years, and, oh, wow. and Benny, Benny Williams from the Washington, D.C. area. He's a long athletic wing, perfect for the zone good shooter, good athlete. So he's coming in. And then as I'm sure you know, uh, Justin, the transfer portal this year, this year is going to be huge, right? I mean, I'm sure, um, you know, uh, New Mexico, uh, teams out West are, are really going to take advantage of, of that transfer portal. Uh, they might lose some players, but they're also going to gain players, right? You're, you're going to have almost a free agency-like atmosphere. That's funny you mentioned that, Matthew, just because, you know, in my neck of the woods in New Mexico, it's the opposite problem. It's a lot of conference titles, a lot of regular season success, and no NCAA tournament success. And I think it's it's funny just to hear that people complaining about just regular season success when out here, it's just like we can care less about the regular season. The main goal is just like to go to this week 16 and just never even happens. So um, it's just very funny just to hear you say that. Um, I I want to ask you. Yeah, I want to ask you about um buddy Beheim because it's interesting because with again just to compare it to new mexico kind of had that came same dynamic with um craig neal's son um playing here as well and then cv even with steve alford's son when they're out in ucla what has that dynamic been like i mean 
Coach Beheim is, is a coaching icon in, in basketball in general. What has been the pressure for Buddy? Um, I know he has a, a monster game against San Diego State. It seems like he's kind of relishing this moment. What has it been for him just being under the tutelage of his own dad? Has it been more pressure or less? What has it been for him? Yes, he's touched on this quite a bit recently. Um, you know, Buddy comes in the program as the 349th recruit in the country in the class of 2018. So he's not being recruited uh, really at all. And I think part of that is a lot of coaches thought, you know, he'd probably play for his dad. So maybe didn't put forth the effort they otherwise would. But that said, I mean, he wasn't highly rated. He wasn't all that athletic. He was not um, on a lot of people's radars, but he did well in Peace Champ, the marquee uh, recruiting event in the summer uh, in 2017, almost four years ago now wrapping up his high school career. Um, and then Buddy, uh, you know, he gets the cues, he commits to his dad's program. And he said right away, he felt the pressure. He he overthought it at times, he got in his own head. He got off to a really slow start. He was coming off the bench as basically just a shooter and wasn't being that. I mean, he was, I don't have the number in front of me. I ballpark, you know, he was shooting in the 20s oh, wow. for a while. And if you're just a shooter, obviously, you can't be doing that to have a lot of play, playing time, right? I mean, unless you're you're getting it done on the defensive end or, sure. or making plays for others. So, uh, you know, I think he, he, he'll he say he disappointed in his freshman year, but he did grow as the year went on. And then he matured and he kept working hard. And by his sophomore year last season, uh, he said, this is in his words, that he, you know, the pressure wasn't really there anymore. He didn't, or at least he didn't feel it quite as much, uh, given he was a little bit more proven older and this is a guy who you know works so hard um and, and that kind of gets tossed around a lot in in sports and even in life right yeah. everyone wants to be a hard worker but mm -hmm. he he takes hundreds of shots a day uh multiple workouts they have a they have a home gym a basketball court in their house um which helps right yeah, <laughs> uh, sure. even if it's Upstate New York uh, winter, he can still get shots up, you know, no matter what, right? It's not like where you're, where you are probably, and anyone can just kind of sure. go for a walk and shoot outside. Mm -hmm. uh, can't really do that up in up here in New York. So, um, you know, he works tremendous. I mean, his dad even just said, I think today or yesterday, that he shoots so much on his, he works so hard on his shot, his arms get sore uh, from those shooting workouts. So this is not this is not weightlifting. This is just basketball shooting. Um, which is a pretty fluid motion. So th that just gives you an idea of, of his growth. Uh, he's made tremendous strides. He's becoming uh, an elite shooter, an elite uh, playmaker uh, on a winning basketball team. Without Buddy, who dropped 21, 21 or 22 points yesterday in the first half or second half against West Virginia to pull off the upset, they're not in the Sweet 16. He's been, he's been on fire, and, and he's really led them these past two wins. Do you think he has a chip on his shoulder? Um, do you think he's just playing with an edge, like kind of trying to, to, to go out to prove something? Because I just I saw that with this Colin Neal. I mean, he had kind of like that chip, that kind of like that. I don't know, me against that world mentality, um, just due to just him being just the, the coach's son. Um, is Buddy experiencing that as well? For sure. Spot. I mean, you're spot on with that. He he said I think yesterday or the day before, uh, the coach's son label is what motivates him. And he uses that as as uh, as fire. And, uh, you know, he's he's always been a pretty quiet, you know, quieter kid, um, humble, calm, um, 
someone who, you know, doesn't really need to be in the spotlight, doesn't feel like he needs to, you know, beat his chest and hit the floor and all that uh, trash talking. He's not any of that. Uh, but the past few games, you've seen that chip on his shoulder. He's almost ticked off out there uh, and using that to his benefit. That's what I've noticed um, motivation wise. He seems to carry a different uh, mental mental mindset almost right when he's out there and and uh and playing you know he's still the player he was before but he's playing with that edge like you talk about where he just is coming at you relentlessly uh every possession the heat check three the the mid-range jumper the the drive to the rim using his size he's about six five six six so he's got he's got a good frame uh on top of his shooting ability so there's a lot there and absolutely i think the confidence is the biggest thing here. I mean, he's always been a, a functional shooter. Um, what what has changed is is just the mindset and his ability to attack, attack, attack. Matthew, I want to shift gears and ask you just about the tournament in general. Uh, lots of upsets, and um, I've asked some other guests this. Do you think this tournament is going to be kind of? I don't know, marred and kind of labeled as an asterisk just due to the circumstances that we're in? Or um, is it going to be appreciated for just all the upsets that normally happens in the NCAA tournament? Um, what, is, what is kind of your perspective so far about what's gone down and what the re- kind of the shocking results we've seen so far? Yeah, shocking to say the least. I mean, <laughs> definitely, definitely the latter for sure. Um, you look at my bracket, and I, I don't even want to look at it. I, I really haven't. I haven't been. Because, yeah, <laughs> there you go. Glad we're on the same page. It's, yeah. uh, it's a disaster. You know, I, I don't even know if my half of my Final Four is intact, I think. I have Gonzaga, like a lot of people, going, you know, all the way and winning the title. But aside from that, um, and Gonzaga even today, almost, you know, a little shaky there with Oklahoma for a bit. Uh, so, I, I, I mean, we'll, we'll take it, though. If I you know, look, if, if we're going to sign up for this, I will gladly take a, a, a bracket with check, you know, red all over it, crossing stuff out. Uh, I will gladly take the upsets over that, right? I mean, forget the bracket at this point. Let's take some great college basketball. Sure. We're seeing it. We didn't get the tournament last year. Uh, it's been a tough year. There's been pauses for these teams. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of teams at full strength or they were at full strength and then the COVID pause. So to get uh, this tournament in the bubble and just pure basketball one game after the next, the upsets, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's what this is all about. It makes it such a great tournament, something so fun to watch. Uh, Matthew, uh, last question for you. I've been asking a lot of other guests about this um, in terms of your time covering this team in the midst of, of the pandemic. And what are kind of the challenges you have faced? And then what are kind of the positives you have experienced that once things get back to normal, you may want to say, hey, I I like this and we should kind of keep this going, even when things kind of get back to normal. For sure. I mean, a couple of things stand out. Obviously, everything's on Zoom right now. Uh, There's no fans. um, So there isn't that atmosphere there. Usually, you know, you can see the players face to face. You can go in the locker room. You can talk to a coach in a press conference. And, you know, you can really see them eye to eye um, as opposed to now where it's Zoom, uh, which is just it's not the same. The tone doesn't come across. Uh, you can't get to know the players. You know, I'll be honest. I think I speak for a lot of people in, in media. We don't know as much about the teams this year. I don't really know uh, the locker room the way I did last year. 
uh, or the year before, just because I'm not there, you know, and that's just the reality of it. Um, that said, a couple perks, you know, I will say it's, it's, there's no traffic going to the games. <laughs> uh, you know, there's never any issues with running into fans or, or being late to see the second half. If I had to go run and grab a bite <laughs> or, yeah. uh, or use the restroom. So, you know, little things like that are about the only benefits. I will say you can also hear the players a lot easier. Uh, so you can actually hear them calling out plays, trash talking, uh, talking to each other, which is a nice perk uh, for sure. But aside from that, definitely happy to get back to, to real human connection. Yeah. I don't know about you yet. I have not been vaccinated yet, but I'm going to definitely have it. Okay. I'm going to definitely sign up for that. Um, when you know my age group is is sort of next in line and then um you know get hopefully get back to to uh quote unquote normal right it'll probably be a little bit longer than we think depending on where you are in the country but as far as college basketball goes i think we'll be in a good spot for for next season uh next start starting in the fall agreed i, I hopefully we can kind of get some fans back into the stands and kind of get that life it's just it's weird um, we have the big arena here, the pit, and it's known for fan noise and just to see it empty. It's it's a strange sight, to say the least. Um, very ominous. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And just to go back to one other thing, actually, sure. that you brought up. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm sure. Well, that pit is a lot different from the carrier, though, just in terms of both loud, but just very different atmosphere. It's really cool, you know, in college hoops where you get that, you know, NBA for the most part every arena is pretty much the same, right? Yeah. Uh, more or less, obviously there's, there's some differences, but size and that sort of atmosphere. But with college, you got the Palestra in Philly, you got Gonzaga, you have, you know, the, like where, where you guys are playing to, to Q's to St. John's, there's just, you know, UCLA, Carolina, Duke, obviously so unique, uh, so different, but yeah, to your point, I just thought it was funny that, uh, you know, New Mexico fans, you know, will take the, the tournament success, you know, or half of that success that Cuse has had right. over the regular season. It's funny, you know, and, and in Cuse, it's sort of, you know, most fans, I think, are obviously very happy with these runs. But uh, during the years, during the seasons, when you're going 500 in, in league play, it's a lot more difficult to see this sort of run, you know, in the moment, right, in January. Uh, it's just an interesting dynamic that you brought up there. That's fascinating. Yeah, it is. It's it's really fascinating because it's usually it's the opposite where um, I think there's one year with Alfred <laughs> and I think they're like the number three team in the nation. And I I, I think I could speak for a lot of Lobo fans. It was like, uh, let's see what they do. It's like, whoopsie do they're number three. I mean, yeah. what is what's that going to do? And, you know, then we're winning the regular season in my West Conference tournament. I mean, let's see the brackets. And sure enough, I think that might have been the year they got bounced by Harvard. I'm not exactly sure in the first round. So and a lot of people were picking them to go to the final four, which was just surreal to see. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just we just the men's team cannot get over the hump. Um, the women's team has. They've had a lot of success in the tournament. But uh, yeah, it's just ever since living here. I've lived in New Mexico all my life. And yeah, that's been the one thing that I want Achilles heel always. Man, that's, that's just hilarious. You know, and, yeah. uh, Hey, it shows the goes, to, goes to show how and credit to the women's team. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, it, you know, it goes to show how tough it is to win in this tournament. I mean, uh, you see Illinois go down recently. You see, you know, Iowa, um, there's obviously been Virginia has gone out early quite a bit and they're a great team. It's really it's not the best team necessarily, right? It's the hottest team that's playing the best basketball and and making the right you know decisions in the games. It's it's really 
you know, obviously good teams that are going to go to the final four, but it's really, it's not so much the best teams because, you know, New Mexico to, to their credit over the, over the long, longer sample size is an inferior, very good team. Right. Yeah. But when it comes down to that, that one or two game elimination, you, you really never know. Yeah. Absolutely. Matthew, thank you very much for joining us. Um, please let our listeners and viewers know where they can find you on social media and then where they can find your works and anything else you're working on in 2021. Sure. Well, hey, it was really, really a pleasure. I'm, uh, I'm at Matthew G-U-T-21 uh, on Twitter. That's Matthew Gut 21 um, And I write for The Athletic, as you said there. So um, I think we you know, we try to do great work as far as features and, and more in-depth. Uh, we don't really write, you know, recaps and game stories. It's more on the sort of peel, peel it back a little bit, take a step back. What's what's really happening here? Features, uh, profiles on players. So that's that's kind of the bread and butter. Um, and then this year, I'm covering this tournament right now. I didn't really – I didn't think Syracuse was going to get in <laughs> when you when you reached out a couple weeks ago. And then uh, here they are in the Sweet 16. You know, they're only a, a win over Houston and let's just say Loyola Chicago from the Final Four, which is yeah. hard to believe. Um, you know, it's really just it's those four wins and then you're in. Um, so that's it's incredible. But just covering that tournament, writing on, on why this is happening, some of the players that are doing well. Uh, and then I'll probably pivot a little bit into some golf and, and more college basketball offseason work uh, come April. So um, just, you know, grateful for the work and grateful to, to talk with you, Justin, for a little bit. Awesome, Matthew. Very, thank you very much for the insight. I really appreciate it and enjoy the rest of the tournament and good luck to Syracuse. Appreciate it. Thank you, Justin. Thanks for listening to the show. As always, you can get in touch with the podcast through email with hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Also, we are on all social media platforms. Please leave us a review on iTunes and check out our YouTube channel.